Big Fluff. If your quarry goes to ground, leave no ground to go to. You should have taken my offer. Or did you think none of this was your fault? I don't murder children. I do. If I have to. Why? Do you even know why they send you? It's not my place to ask. I believe in something greater than myself. A better world. A world without sin. So me and mine gotta lay down and die so you can live in your better world? I'm not going to live there. There's no place for me there any more than there is for you. Malcolm, I'm a monster. What I do is evil. I have no illusions about it, but it must be done. Keep talking. You're not getting a location trace off this wave. And every minute you keep River Tam from me, more people will die. You think I care? Of course you care. You're not a Riva Mal. You're a human man, and you will never understand how... I'm Joel Murphy. This is Hobo Radio. And with me, my buddy Lars. Hey! <laughs> this is this is a fun... Hopefully this will not be apparent to anyone listening, but this is kind of retro for us. This is like a throwback episode of your Wi-Fi is, is struggling so much that we're actually doing this via phone, which is how we used to do this back in the day. Yeah, yeah, t- taking it on back. Yeah. <laughs> yes, for for anyone for anyone living in the uh central Maryland area, we're recording this on that day when those storms came through. So, you remember that day and how crazy those storms were? They fucked some shit up, didn't they? Yeah, I just Lars, can I give you and possibly all of our our listeners a warning just real quick? Sure. Tornado took your father. <laughs> <laughs> Don't have to take you too. <laughs> couldn't even. <laughs> I couldn't finish it. Oh man. Oh man. The wind. The wind's changing. She's turning. I'm telling you. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Oh, now I'm depressed because I miss that man. Good old no. Paxton. Paxton. Yeah. If you needed a ridiculous line delivery <laughs> in your movie, he was. <clears throat> Pardon. He was such a unique actor in that he he was supposed to be playing a regular guy most of the time, but he <laughs> he couldn't do that. You stewed, <laughs> but why? <laughs> oh, Chet Ripley. Oh, one of the greatest and most underrated movie villains. Oh my god! First, I'm gonna butter your muffin. <laughs> <He> just, <laughs> 
Such a unique voice, such a unique presence. God, I've missed it. Every time I could be watching the biggest piece of crap movie I've ever seen, and then his head pops up on screen, and I am fully invested. <laughs> oh, things just got interesting. <laughs> Which, you know, no... Well, I guess it is shade to Bill Pullman, but, like, the fact that they were often confused with one another is just not... No. There, there is only that, one... That's baffling. Yeah, there's only one Paxton. There's only one Paxton. He was, like, he was so talented and just, like, he's one of those guys like a, um, uh, like a Willem Dafoe or like a, uh, like a Jeffrey Wright kind of, just kind of like, we don't know what makes you special, but good Lord, you're so special. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, like... God, yeah, Defoe is another person that like I perk up if he shows up in a bad movie because I'm like, well, I'm you got my attention. Yes, and and in all the examples I just gave, they do show up in some very weird and very weird slash bad movies, and they'll play a bit part, not even like a cameo or just like a, a a funny tertiary character. It'll just be. They'll just show up randomly, do one thing, and then leave, and you're left a a got you're a gog. You're what 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 was that? What was that really pleasant thing that just occurred in this piece of shit I'm watching? Also, I will forever when I think of Defoe, the first thing I hear in my head is just Spider Man. <laughs> Back to formula. <laughs> also, God, no, I mean. You know, we we don't need to relitigate the original, you know, Tobey Maguire Spider-Man movies, but I could watch two more hours of Willem Dafoe arguing with himself in the mirror, like when he pieces together that Peter Parker is Spider-Man. It is so good. It's the best thing you can do with Dafoe is let him chew on the scenery. Yeah, I, did you see the lighthouse? By the way, the lighthouse is a utterly baffling movie. That like, I don't even know what I thought of it because I don't know how much of it even made sense to me. But I was riveted the entire time. No, I haven't. I haven't. I, it is very high up on the list. I've been I've been knocking off some some movies I never got to before, um, and uh, some new stuff. But yeah, I, I see it. It's sitting there on Amazon Prime. And uh, I don't have to pay for it. So I'm completely in. Well, if you ever wanted to hear Willem Dafoe tell uh, Robert Pattinson to just have a fight over like the most innocuous, like, you know, the food not Robert Pattinson not liking the food that he makes and him going like, take it back. You you like my food. You don't mean it. Like just like having a complete meltdown (laughs) over the most like innocuous shit. That's it's two hours of that. Oh God, I need it. It, oh Jesus, it's the perfect his performance. He had such a great, um, such a great performance in American Psycho, and <laughs> oh, shit. I feel like I have to ask you this every time because I can never remember. But who directed American Psycho? Oh God, I, I, I know. I never remember her name either. But like, um, um, sorry, I have. I'm, I almost have a pull up in front of me before I continue because that's just unfair. Because I know um, I always. She, yeah, no, and she's great. She did and... such a fantastic job to the point where sometimes I will, uh, Mary Heron. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, she did such a good job that I found myself watching American Psycho and thinking, man, that Jared Leto hasn't aged a day because I think the movie is <laughs> taking place in the mid 80s. <laughs> and that's where it's that's where it was filmed. 
And so, um, but it, you know, it was like a 1999 movie, but apparently the, her direction to Willem Dafoe, who's in, investigating the disappearance of someone who, uh, Bateman has, uh, brutally murdered with an ax is, um, she said, we're going to film it a, a couple times. And the first time we film it, you definitely suspect that Patrick has done it. Uh, almost to the point where you're absolutely convinced the second time you don't know who did it. And you actually, you actually don't care who did it. A rich guy disappeared and he's probably going to turn up sometime. And then she would intersplice the two different, um, uh, uh, performances that he did during the scene. And I thought that was so brilliant and such a mind fuck. And so, so well done by him that he just like, he hit the mark so subtly with each of those uh, different motivations, I thought. Yeah, I mean, because Willem Dafoe is, like, I honestly don't think he gets enough credit for his subtle acting, because obviously, if he wants to go to 10, like, his 10 yes. is amazing. But <laughs> but the actual work that he's doing, no, like, Dafoe is a great actor, and yeah, I, I'm happy every time he's in anything. You know, like I, I, it's weird because the movie is ridiculous. The sequel was terrible, but I, I often like to think of his role in Boondock Saints and yeah. the, the introduction of him where he's listening to classical music and like, uh -huh. just like going around the crime scene, taking it all in. And then like later just goes, I fucking hate crime scenes. And it's like, I know exactly who he is based on those two moments. Like you created such a rich character that I understand completely. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm with you, bro. I am with you. Crime <laughs> scenes, man. Yeah. Crime scenes. And he had, and he had on his, uh, his headphones on, connected to his disc man. Mm -hmm. And he's floating around that crime scene. Yeah. That's good stuff. It's good. Stuff. Think I'm going to be you one funny. I probably we I can, I'm you know, I'm not gonna speak for you. I had such an attachment to that movie, and to think that I will most likely never ever see it again, <laughs> yeah, is weird. That I think that for us, for the age that we are, and maybe every generation has this movie. The moment that you no longer want to watch Boondock Saints is when you've reached adulthood, like that's... <laughs> Right. <laughs> you finally, you're like, you know what? This isn't great cinema. Like, it yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's a, it was, um, you, you bought that Marcy's Playground CD. You listened to that <laughs> whole album, didn't you? Come on. <laughs> but yeah, like, no, I mean, God. And then honestly, more fascinating than Boondock Saints is that documentary about, was it Troy Duffy? Is that the guy's name? Duffy. Yeah, definitely yeah. Duffy for, for sure. But like you watch the documentary about how like that dude thought the money train was coming in and like signed a terrible deal and then was an asshole to everyone and immediately torched all the like goodwill that he would have generated from having a legit, you know, like sleeper hit. Like it made all of its money on DVD sales and he didn't get any of it. None of it, no. And then it hit it hit big in um uh in Japan and he went over there and he was a king and then he came back and he was sleeping on his on his friend's sofa. 
because he, I mean, he did the thing that he was going to do, I guess. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway, I didn't know we were going to be talking about Boondock Saints this week. <laughs> <laughs> it was a long time coming, probably. You, you, like you kids these days, you you might know uh, the character Daryl on The Walking Dead. <laughs> but you don't know that before that, he got his practice doing bad accents by pretending yeah. to be Irish. Oh, you think you think he's not good at being Southern? Well, <laughs> well. You just wait. Just wait yeah. to see him half-heartedly <laughs> commit to the idea of being Irish for some of this movie. Yeah, Sean Patrick Flannery might as well have had a, a big green hat with a buckle on it. And then you got this, <laughs> then you got old... Mumbles McGee <laughs> walking in behind him. You're like, I don't. I guess, I guess he sounds kind of Irish only because he sounds like he's really drunk all the time. I don't know. <laughs> and then you hire Billy Connolly to like actually do good acting as their father, and you're like, is this guy their father? I'm not buying it. Like, I, I don't. Yeah, not only, yeah, not only did you hire a, a talented actor, but a talented actor from Glasgow, <laughs> which, you, which you'll notice. It is not a, any, a city any located anywhere on Ireland, so yeah. <sighs> whatever. It was it was a good movie for a while. I never was one of those um, one of those douchebags who said, "Well, this is the best movie ever." But I was definitely like we all were in uh, in in the camp of Boondock Saints. Yeah, I mean, look, we all learned the prayer. We all bought the necklace, but like you know, you had to. <laughs> You had to have the line somewhere. Sure. Uh, anyway, uh, that was, you know what I, what we should talk about while we're down this nostalgia train is, d did you see the breaking news? I, I imagine, do you, do you just get like alerts or do you just, do you sense with the force when there's Star Wars news? <laughs> no, there are no, uh, I, no, I don't have any alerts. My alerts are, uh, the, the people who know me and love me hit me up when there's news. <laughs> I'm like, Oh, <laughs> well, well usually did, I d just end up finding it. I think. Well, did anyone know you and love you with the latest news? <laughs> I don't, I don't know. I don't think so. I can't think of anything major that pops into mind. Well, they announced that, uh -huh. Donald Glover will be playing Lando Calrissian in a new Disney Plus television show. Oh, I no, I didn't see that at all. That's that's weird. Yeah, that was they they yeah that just came out. But yeah, apparently, apparently Donald Glover will will be Landoing it up some more. That's cool. That's what, I'm looking at my feed. I see nothing about that. Um. That's uh okay. I don't know anymore. <laughs> what to do with this Star Wars stuff? Did you ever think you'd reach that point in life where the news of new Star Wars like would just baffle you? No, I never thought. I thought it would remain 100% exciting every single time. But they uh and I thought, like, and this is recent that I, I think that it's become baffling. And it's because, and forgive me, um, 
forgive me, dear listeners, if I'm repeating myself, but I, when you look, when you look at what they did with the MCU and you know that it's owned under the same umbrella and production company, uh, basically, and then they nail that and they just can't get this right. And even when they get it right, they think they got it wrong. So they, they throw, they throw that thread into the garbage. I just don't, I don't, it, and I don't get it. And I think, I think, <clears throat> I think the best example of them not knowing what the hell is going on is the fact that the Mandalorian premiered at the end of last year and they had zero zero baby yoda merchandise on the shelves for christmas yeah i mean like and not just for christmas but like months and months afterwards <laughs> like months and months afterwards and you're talking about star wars owned by disney and if there's two things that are good at branding it's those two entities yeah and working hand in hand they just can't get their shit right yeah, like you would imagine, sure, maybe like the the problems with the the new trilogy or whatever. Okay, like that that's story, that's creative. But like the day that Disney and and you know like Lucas Films together can't successfully sell merchandise, like we are all in trouble. Like, yeah, for real, for real. So I don't know. Uh, tell me. Okay, well, so do you, do you have any do you have any feelings about well, let me about let, this TV show, maybe? Well, let me walk this back because now I have to admit that you made me nervous because I was like, I saw this, but like, I gotta be honest, I saw it on Twitter, and then I just checked, so it's a rumor, so this is not confirmed. Oh, okay. okay. But there's a rumor that he's in talks to do a Disney Plus show. Oh, okay, gotcha. So let me walk all of that back and say that it's probably not true. <laughs> so. <Okay. laughs> But having introduced the premise, uh, I like I'll say this because you and I have talked about this. Uh, I liked Solo a lot more than I think it gets credit for. Like, it's to me one of the better standalone Star Wars movies, honestly. Like it was great. It was great fun. I, I liked it. And I think the biggest problem, too, is that Solo ended in a way that made me want to know what was going to happen next like which is good i mean that's what you want to do but then it was like well but it didn't make enough money so you know you introduced live action darth maul as still being alive which i know you know people who watch the clone wars and stuff knew that but like you got this confirmation in a movie screen of this character that is great and criminally underused exists still and mm -hmm. And everything they set up at the end, I wanted to see paid off. So I, I maybe, I love Donald Glover. Like, I, I think he's immensely talented. I was probably less on the, like, Donald Glover is Lando train. And just in terms of, like, people lost their minds. I thought he was <laughs> enjoyable, but I didn't have, like, a, you know, it, it, it wasn't... <laughs> I don't know. It it just didn't seem to resonate with me the way that it seemed to resonate with like a demographic of people that were like, this is what's great about this movie. Torch it all <laughs> down. And like, I loved him. I thought he was good, but I just, you know what I mean? Like there, there was a super fan component to like a certain demographic that went nuts. So it's just, I think all of that to say Donald Glover playing Lando 
cool, but I think what would interest me about this show is more the things that they teased at the end of Solo and you know, who is available? Like, can you get Amelia Clark to, to show up more? Like, do you, can you get, mm-hmm. uh, was it Aldrich? Um, what's his, uh, the guy who played, you know, not yeah, Harrison yeah. Ford. <laughs> right. But like, are they both like, cause that, you know, and again, they don't need to be a major part, but like, would, would they commit to like doing an episode or two? You know, I think, that would be yeah yeah like are they are they moving that story forward to to see the things that they don't want to produce into the movie or is it going to be um lando's old old adventures that's a good question yeah is it just lando just gambling (laughs) is it just that one (laughs) scene from solo but that's the whole show (laughs) well you know we know two things about lando and that is he was uh, a scoundrel and a smuggler and then he became a, a legitimate business owner and the head of a um, uh, a mining site, and that's really it. And I would I would be interested to see the transition from the former to the latter, or even just what he got up to. Sure, I'd be interested in seeing it if you told it well. I don't. I'm not interested in seeing it if you just say we're going to go through the motions and slap it on the screen. Yeah. Yeah. What's the purpose of it? What is the, I think that's maybe you're kind of saying the same thing I'm saying is like just the idea of more Lando Calrissian, no matter who's playing, I would feel the same way if they announced a Billy D Williams, you know, television 100%. show. It's just like, <laughs> what story are you interested in telling? Like that to me is much more important for star Wars right now. Absolutely. Like, and so, yeah. So, so like you said, just the, um, the idea of Donald Glover playing Lando Calrissian doesn't sell me on any idea. And if it doesn't have bones, it doesn't have bones, you know? Is he writing it? Honestly, you might sell me more <laughs> if he was on the writing staff then. <laughs> like, sure. Just, yeah. Like, that's my biggest question, honestly, for anything going forward with Star Wars, which is unfortunate to be. But I'm like, who's who's making it, you know? Because... I think the Mandalorian team, you know, you know, obviously Favreau, but like uh, just the the Dave, what's the guy, the Clone Wars guy, like Dave Fil- Filoni. Did yeah, I, yeah, something like that. But like, obviously them. I really love what they do. I, I'm afraid to speak this out into the internet, but I love what Ryan Johnson does with Star Wars. <laughs> right. <laughs> Uh, you know, but it's, yeah, it, it very much is dependent on what, you know, who's making it and what they're making at this point. And honestly, Star Wars is a mess. Like they're just, because that's the thing is like, I like the Mandalorian, but it very much is its own little corner of Star Wars. Like, I don't know how well they can do this jumping around thing. Like, I don't know if at some point the move is just to pick a different time, maybe well before the the events that we've seen or maybe well after. But like, I, I think like just jumping, I know that's kind of what they did with the extended universe novels, but just jumping from time period to time period. I don't know. It might be better to just like carve out a time period. That's like, this is where star Wars is now. Um, I think that's really limiting. Uh, if I'm being honest, because there's there's so much 
there's so much meat there and so much to choose from. And um, I just, you get, I get, I get frustrated because I get frustrated with the fact that there are, there's so, there's so much to pull from. And there are so many, there's so many writers who have done so many good things with the Star Wars universe. And I, I feel like they're, if they're used, if they're utilized at all, it's underutilized. It's, you know, there are a lot of talented people who can write really good stories. And I don't understand why they're just left in the shadows. Because remember, remember you and I talked about this when we, we found out that they got uh, Christopher Nolan to to help out with writing Man of Steel. Because Alleg- they said, allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> because, you know, we want this man, this Superman to be a little more dark and gritty or whatever. And we were saying, listen, this isn't, he's not the only name in the game. <laughs> there are lots of, there are lots of talented people who, by the way, are looking for work and can make your product a lot better, probably. And that. Th- I'm not. I'm not trying to underplay the fact that you know John Favreau is great, Taika Waititi's great, uh, the Russo brothers are great. There are so many great names, but it, they get into. It seems like Hollywood gets into this groove of these are the guys who write things that make money instead of saying who who's writing really compelling work and how how do we hire them to make our work really compelling? You well, know? right. Well, they, and it, no, and it, I think the Nolan example is the perfect example because Christopher Nolan was definitely the right person to make a Batman trilogy. He did a good job with it. Mm-hmm. That doesn't make him the right person for your Superman movies. It doesn't make him the right person for Star Wars. Like it's a, like mm-hmm. someone being talented. Yeah, that's always going to be an advantage. But you know, there's plenty of examples of really talented filmmakers making really bad movies in worlds that they don't entirely understand, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it seems, it seems like the more I'm, by the way, I apologize for keep, keep, I keep clearing my throat. My allergies are jacked up. Um, it seems like the more hands off they are, the better it is, or the, the less they focus on a project, right? Because, I don't think the Mandalorian was supposed to be jack shit. I think no one, no one in the executives' room knew what the fuck that was. Just, I yeah, we're launching, we're launching our own thing, so we need to have an original Star Wars thing on it, I guess. So uh, they said they could do it for basically nothing. So let whoever's doing it do whatever with it, and it ended up being John Favreau. And Watiti was involved, and it turned into something I think is very special and awesome. And it blew, and as it was blowing up, they still weren't paying attention to it because they weren't getting the merchandise out there. They just, they didn't give a fuck about it, and it was awesome. So, I don't know, keep doing that. Keep not giving a fuck and let the right people hire the right people to make the right thing. That's what's funny is I think they were probably so busy fucking up Rise of Skywalker that they were too distracted. (laughs) (laughs) Like they were so focused on micromanaging that that they were just rubber stamping whatever scripts Jon Favreau was like slipping past them. Right. Yeah. And I, I mean, and who I mean. Who started that 
that Marvel Cinematic Universe. It was the same guy using a character that no one gave a shit about uh, and let him do whatever he wanted for for with a limited budget. And that that blew up into 23 successful movies. Yeah, no, it worked out pretty well, I feel like. <laughs> All things just, considered, you know, I, I don't want the I don't want to be one of those I'm one of those armchair fans who says you know the the guys with the money shouldn't be involved. But in this in this particular case, there's lots of other cases. This particular case, it seems like the less they give a shit about it, the better off it is. Well, what's weird to me is like maybe the issue is, you know, I don't know if if Disney is start you know if Lucas Films, whoever you want to say, like if they're starting from a point of saying to the world we want to make this movie and then like because here's my thing is like star wars is just it has permeated our culture completely everybody at least is familiar with it there are multiple generations of people who have grown up with it who have absorbed it who it's just part of their like consciousness i would imagine if you just said we are open to pitches (laughs) Of like, we're just, we're casting a wide net. We're going to make the best Star Wars movie. Any filmmaker that has a pitch will listen to it. You probably get some crazy shit that would be like truly revolutionary. And that I think that's why Ryan Johnson stands out is like, I don't even think what he did was that revolutionary, but he pitched something different. And I think all of their failings have been trying to just literally do what's been done before. And I think the Mandalorian worked because it was a small story that was a different corner of the world. And I think, yeah, if you just sat back and said, you know, what, what is, what do people want to make, you know, like just create a fund to just make star Wars movies and literally just see what people pitch you. Exactly. And don't listen to this bullcrap. You, I think you, um, you touched on something there that I think is, uh, uh, really valid. And it's the, um, it's the Ryan Johnson, you know, the, the last Jedi was great. And they think they had, they heard all that negative feedback. And then there was a petition to remake it. And I'm not going to rant about uh, those those fucking insufferable nerds, but don't <laughs> like it doesn't matter. The thing is, like, you don't need to listen to them. Don't take your next movie and make it an amalgam of really familiar stuff and then really new stuff that is also really familiar stuff because you end up with a piece of crap movie. Take it as they paid attention. You got their money. They're not. They're not gonna not buy your product. <laughs> if well, you right. Keep, if you stay on that track, it's just you have to understand what you're looking at, right? Well, that, yeah. No, I think yeah. Thank you for saying that because I think that's a point that gets missed. Is you know there is a certain demographic of maybe all fandom, but specifically with Star Wars, that like they will hate whatever you do, but also they will pay to see whatever you do. Mm-hmm. Like, like that's the thing. You don't have to play to them. They're your biggest fans. You know, like, that's they're trolls. Like, I don't think people understand trolls. Like, yeah, they're going to shit on whatever you do. But in order to do that, they're going to pay probably to see it multiple times. 
<laughs> no, straight up, straight up, because they need to, <clears throat> they need to have their opinion be as, uh, as rock solid as possible. So they need to have as many of the facts about the movie as possible. So they need to see that movie multiple times and then they can go on Reddit and, and explain beat for beat. What's wrong with the damn movie. Yeah. So I mean, but that's, you have, you have all of their money. Also, you have all of their free publicity that they're giving your movie. Right. And then you get people who are probably prone to be less invested who in a response to them, you know, go like, wait, Oh wait, these guys hate it. Let me see what's going on. <laughs> like they probably sell tickets from the other side going like, well, if they hate it, then let Exa me see. What <laughs> oh, exactly. Exactly. Yes, exactly. Cause they're not so invested that they've seen it yet, but this, this guy has seen it uh, three times and written about it. And now, yeah, that's going to get me in the seat a little quicker because I want to see what the hell his problem was. Anyone who who is a big fan, you already have their money. I promise you by the time this dork starts <laughs> starts ranting about it on his blog, anyone who reads it and agrees with him, you have their money too. So don't even don't even worry about them. Don't don't change your story because of that part of the fandom there the we say that about a, a lot of uh, a lot of fans of uh, uh of entertainment but they are literally the worst they really are <laughs> no they truly yeah like toxic star wars fans and like toxic video game people are really yes <laughs> some of the darkest corners of the internet for sure like yeah they really are and this i would have if they had me if i was um if i was their count Consigliere, I'd be <laughs> leaning on the arm of their chair saying, no, the, the Last Jedi is great. The things they are saying, I see where their beefs are, but really, they, they're, they're stuck. They're stuck in the past. They don't know how to move forward. This movie was great. Don't sweat it. And then if I had seen Rise of Skywalker, and I, I would lean on their arm chair and go, oh, you have two options. Release this. Or throw it into the garbage and make a completely different movie because there's no saving it. Well, I think what gets missed is like whatever your opinion is of those two movies. And for fuck's sake, I don't want to hear them. I realize we're playing into that. But um, just objectively, like what Ryan Johnson was attempting to do was to open up the storytelling to be like anyone can be force sensitive like, it's not just about these fucking family that we've been super myopically focused on. Like, this world can now include anyone that you can imagine. And Rise of Skywalker went the complete other way and went, no, it actually is this family. They're the only ones that matter. Also, they have God powers. Also, death doesn't matter. Also, like, anything can happen. Like, just if you look at it from, like, a sandbox to play in and to make future movies, one of those gives you a lot of storytelling potential. And the other, like, pushes you down the narrowest tunnel of nothing. A hundred percent. Yeah. The, the, the force awakens gave us old characters. Also gave us new characters that kind of mirrored old characters or mirrored and were related to old characters. And Ryan Johnson said, let's tear all that down so we can build something new and gave us 
new characters with new personalities doing new things, um, kind of like a new sense of purpose, a new uh, sense of humor, a new direction. And you, you, you see, I keep saying the word new. It was new. <laughs> These are brand new ideas. So, yeah, like you're absolutely right in, in that it was um, – um, it was opening. It was really opening things up. Opening things up the same way Solo was opening things up, and it could have been. But they're so they're so afraid to step over that line. And even though it was, you know, I know you don't in, uh, didn't enjoy Rogue One as much as I did, but that's a closed loop. You know, yeah. <laughs> that started at a spot and it it ended at a spot and it doesn't go anywhere from there. So even though it was good, it's that's done. So let that go. Whatever money you think you're going to make off of that, you're not because that's over. Well, it was already, I mean, you made a movie about like a a plot hole from another movie. (laughs) Like that was never going to lead to, to anything else. Yeah. But no, I, and again, like, I think that's what, everyone wants to be Marvel, but nobody actually looks at what Marvel did. And it's, I think when you look at, you know, look at Avengers Endgame and infinity war and like what they were like, look at how that's the point they got to, which is, you know, like you can, the phase one of Marvel is pretty, Mm -hmm. I think anyone could do that. You know what I mean? It's just, we introduce the characters, we get to know them and then they're all going to come together to fight a thing. And, uh, you know, that's what we want to see. Like that part, I won't say it's easy because Jesus DC certainly can't do it. But like that, <laughs> that part is the pretty like it's a it's a standard, you know, sort of model like it, it. that's a model that could easily be replicated. I'll put it that way. But sure. Yeah. I mean, you think it would be. But again, DC again, didn't do it. They didn't. Again, didn't again it. it gets fucked up a surprising amount of the time. But <laughs> it should be a slam dunk if you hire competent people to make those movies. Uh, but mm-hmm. what Marvel did that I think is the part that Star Wars misses in that, like, you know, I think maybe everyone else is missing, too, is that then they went, OK, now we're going to introduce you to Guardians of the Galaxy because you you're in now. You like this. We're picking a franchise that you don't nobody cares about. That's like out there and it's weird and it's different from everything mm-hmm. we've done before. And we're hiring James Gunn to do it. And it's going to have this crazy soundtrack and like it's going to be funnier. And it's like just tonally a left turn that you didn't expect, you know, and I think yeah. that's where. I think as much as they struggled in phase two, I think by taking big swings that introduced the idea to the audience of taking big swings and of trusting them, which is how you get to the infinity stones. And that's how you get to like, you know, doing the shit with Thanos and like, you know, doing like the really weird stuff, you know? And I think that's the whole thing is like, yeah, star Wars is eating itself because they're afraid to do anything new or actually interesting. Yeah, and I really I really don't know why because it seems to me that that they never listened to us before. Right. So why are you why are you listening to the Jags now? Like they're Well, yeah, why are you listening now and how, why are these the people that you're listening to? <laughs> like, right, they're the the goddamn jabronis. Like you just don't you don't have like sure you can 
you can listen to them. You can hear their criticisms, but you're ignoring all the people that are really liking it, I guess, because you're only catering to them. Like you think, do you think we're going to like, I'm not going to like anything you put in front of me as far as star Wars goes, but I'm going to be more forgiving. And so like you, you think if you cater to them, then the rest of us will be okay with whatever you did for them. And that's not the case. Like we're just, if we like, if we liked what you did with the last one. And when I say you, I mean the, with the decisions the studio allowed the artists to make, and we dug that, then just keep doing that. The other people will either keep buying your product or they will stop buying your product and other people will replace them. We're not ta- you're not going to lose money. It's a Star Wars thing. You're not losing money on it. You're just so used to being able to replicate, replicate a gross domestic product of a small nation from a Star Wars <laughs> opening, and that doesn't happen 100% of the time anymore. That's okay. Yeah, well, it's... I, I think what honestly confuses me the most looking at it is like why did you ever hire ryan johnson in the first place like if you're gonna hire him and you're gonna let him make the movie that he made you have to decide that that's the direction that you're going in no matter what the reception is like yeah straight up you have and that's what like blows my mind is like once all the colin trevorrow stuff came out and once that script leaked. I read the the synopsis for that script and I'm like, that's the movie they should have made. Like that is the movie that was promised by The Last Jedi, which is this idea of what Luke did at the end of that movie really like rallied everyone together. And now this final movie and also Kylo Ren made his choice. He had a chance to go to the light side. He's not going to be doing that. He's decided to be the villain. And so that, that's essentially what the original uh you know final one was it was like the the good guys are trying to rally everyone based on Luke's like you know sacrifice that he made while meanwhile Kylo Ren is now just committed to being the villain and seizing power that's the most logical movie that you could have made and Definitely. you made a- not only that but you have that <clears throat> you have that underlying current of this uh this new rebellion exists but underneath that there's um there's another generation of not only uh strong-spirited rebellious youngsters but also ones that are force sensitive that that image of that that little kid putting his hand out and that broom coming to him while he looked up at the stars it was so goddamn powerful and it'll that'll never culminate into jack shit no and that yeah exactly like that image i think is the best thing that has been produced in a star wars film since george lucas sold the company is that scene Mm -hmm. and that idea and if they ever were interested in exploring that i think the possibilities for stories are way more interesting than and how do you miss it this isn't something that's so obvious to us i think even to even to a casual fan that that made the the promise of the next movie so exciting yeah so how do you how do you watch that next one or even read it or even look at the storyboard and think yeah this is um 
uh, everything from the last movie is really going to pay off. Mm-hmm. Well, and that was the whole thing, too. Like when I was saying that the idea was like rallying everyone around Luke, that was part of it, too, was like that kid and like this network of like children were the ones telling the story like across planets. And that's what was that's what galvanized everyone. And like that's yeah. anyway. I don't know. I'll can I say the most like thing to undercut everything that I've said before, and then we can talk about something else. <laughs> but oh, oh, most definitely, I really wish you would. I will say because you brought up Rogue One, the only thing that I will confess that like negates every point that I've made is I would watch a Darth Vader movie if you could make a good standalone Darth Vader movie that took place between Episode Three and Episode Four. I would watch uh-huh. it. I'd 100% watch that movie. Okay. Okay, man. I will. Um, I'm going to get to work on that. Because you know what I mean? That, that that to me is the one gap of like, I think the mistake Lucas, honestly, I mean, he, we can talk about mistakes Lucas made, but I think one of the biggest things was <laughs> he ended that original trilogy too soon. Like the, the gap between where three ends and where four picks up is to me... A very interesting time period for Darth no, Vader. No, most definitely. Most definitely. Episode three should have started with Anakin becoming Darth Vader. Yeah, I don't know where the idea that the last thing we see is Darth Vader came from. Like, no. Well, we- because, no, you said, it, you said it right back in the day, man. I mean, you said this, um, you said this in, you know, 2003. <laughs> you said, you said those dumbasses... <laughs> All anyone was waiting for was to him for him to put the helmet on and then to hear him breathe. And you're absolutely right. They thought they thought that was going to be it. No one's going to come see the movie if he becomes Darth Vader in the second one. Then the seats will be empty in the third one. That's it's stupid. It's stupid. Well, and that's again, like you know, my other feelings about Rogue One aside, unequivocally, the best part of that movie is the end when Darth Vader's just being Darth Vader and mowing everyone down. Like, yeah. yeah. And I, I think that's that's been the issue is like nothing has ever replicated Darth Vader. I've they've never solved that problem, and I think Darth Maul is the closest that they came, and they fucked that one up pretty quickly. But like. No villain has ever been as interesting as he was. No, no, they haven't. And um, uh, there's actually, there are some pretty good fan-made trailers for Lord Vader, a Star Wars story on YouTube. If anyone wants to look at them, (laughs) they they make that movie look really, really good. No, but yeah, that's that's one. All right, but... Thank you if you listened to all that, or if you've been five second fast forwarding. This is the part now where we're done <laughs> with Star Wars. Yeah. But uh, I do want to talk about since we're talking about uh, recycling ideas and coming up with a new spin on it. Uh, I did ask you uh, between the last show and this one about the movie Palm Springs, and so I think you said that you watched it, right? Oh yeah, I did watch the movie Palm Springs. You made me watch a shitty movie before I watched Palm Springs, though. Yeah, no, I. <laughs> we don't have yeah. to talk about the shitty one. I'm just saying, yeah. you're like. <sighs> well, it was funny because I here's what literally it's what cracked me up about it. Is that you said? Um, can we? I'm, I'm just going to say the name of the movie. It's not going to offend anyone that I that um, the old guard was a shitty movie, in my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> but you kind of like you said. You said, "Could you watch this movie?" Because I think I think it, it. I would just like to talk about it. 
I don't know how I feel about it. And that's what, that's what caught my attention about 25 minutes into the movie is Murphy said, he said, he said he didn't know how he felt about this. I am, I am firm in my feelings (laughs) about this movie 25 minutes into it. And they aren't good. Yeah, I think I needed the because I think I'll say this since since we're talking about it to to reward you like with content for having watched it. Uh just I thought there was an idea in there worth exploring and I I think I wanted to like the movie more than I did, but I I I think while I'm probably slightly kinder towards it than you are, I think ultimately it just it didn't really materialize into much, you know, like I, I it, it didn't. And I know, I know why you were confused and it's because, um, Chiwetel Ejiofor is a, is a big old hunk and he's really talented and he is acting his ass off in spite of a pretty bare bones script and almost nothing character. And it was really compelling to watch him as it always is. So, if you are making a movie and there is a character that is sort of has his own unique understanding of like he's sort of morally ambiguous, you know, he's he's could be mm-hmm. seen as good or as evil or you want him to start as one and go to the other. You want him to start evil and turn to good or start good and go to evil. If Chidwell Ejiofor isn't your first call, I don't understand what you're doing. Like, <laughs> there is literally no one better at playing that. Like, in a way, because he's so compelling, and every second that he's on screen, I'm always like, like, if he murders someone, I'm like, yeah, I can see why he did that. Or, like, if he did murder people, and then he's like, I don't want to murder people anymore. I'm like, yeah, no, that makes sense. Like, he sells me <laughs> on that journey Every time. And I truly believe that his role in Serenity is one of the finest movie villain performances that I think about all the time because he's so fucking. (laughs) Yeah, like that. That is very. Yes. Yes. He is undeniably talented. And he 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 was he was really good in Serenity. He really was. Also, sorry. One more second of just if you haven't seen that movie, watch that movie and notice that he remains calm that entire movie like does this very like serene you know just like he even says it like you can't upset me and he plays that even keel while still playing that really fascinating until the end and the moment that he panics is such a great payoff to a man just perfectly giving a compelling calm performance for two hours before it happens so, in conclusion, here at Hobo Radio, we say if you want to watch The Old Guard, watch Serenity. Yeah, watch Serenity or even watch uh, Doctor Strange. <laughs> and watch- or watch Doctor Strange. Yeah, that, that turn is also very, very interesting. Also really well written yeah. in my opinion. So, yes, watch that 10-year-old movie and that 15-year-old movie instead <laughs> of that, that terrible Netflix movie. No, the the – like – you know, post credit scene in Doctor Strange is the best thing in Doctor Strange. <laughs> it's brutal. It's so brutal. Oh man, God. Okay, so that you know what you you. Congrats to you. You figured it out. I just wanted to talk about Chidwell Edgy for like I watched a whole movie that he didn't deserve him, so that we could have a like celebration of how great that he is. 
I'm I'm fine with that. Look, we we started with Paxton and Defoe. If you just want to talk about Isaiah <laughs> for for another ten minutes, then let's go for it. Also, look, if you want to put a bow on all of this, Disney. If I mean Paxton's no longer with us, unfortunately, but. I'm pretty sure if you cast Willem Dafoe and Chidwell Ejiofor in the next Star Wars movie, it doesn't matter what the plot is. Like, it's going to work somehow. I don't even care what they play. Like, you could flip a coin to to decide what characters they play. Yeah, straight up. These, these are actors who make something out of nothing. Yo, put, um, uh... I'm trying. I'm trying to think. I think you need one more or two more. Oh, you know what? Put Alfrey Woodard in there. Done. Yeah, that obviously done. Yeah, they could improv it. Just let them <laughs> give them random costumes. Yeah, let give, them improv in front of a green screen. Add that shit in later. You got yourself a movie. <laughs> honestly, yeah. Just make sure there's lightsabers laying around if they want them. But yeah. Just- <laughs> Oh my god, that would be we'd all just weep in the theater. Like we would be like, you know, I thought the original Star Wars trilogy was brilliant, but this this is what it was always supposed to be. Yeah, how did I admit, good look the way they made the beginning connect to the end. Unbelievable. Yeah. All right, but Palm Springs, you know, before Palm we were, Springs. Yes, Palm so, Springs. I went you you said try Palm Springs and I said you made me try something before it wasn't good. And you said, yes, but this one is better. And that's all I knew about the movie was it was Palm Springs and it was better. Yeah. And I honestly think like that. I think I was just, I, you know, this quarantine affects us all differently. I think I was just hungry for like a new movie, <laughs> you know, like, sure. Uh, and so, you know, I, I was like. I don't know. Maybe we could talk about the old guard. And then I was like, uh, you know, and then I watched Palm Springs. and I was like, no, like, you know, forget it. Talk about this. But uh, so, yeah, all that to say, like Groundhog Day is for sure one of my favorite films of all time. Uh, I watch wow. it every year on February 2nd. Uh, and it's it's great. It's a perfect movie. Like, you know, no notes on Groundhog Day. Like they uh, they fucking nailed it. But the thing that happened is everyone else like I'm assuming you're in this category with me, too. They like we all think Groundhog Day is great. It's a it's a brilliant movie. The problem is a lot of people thought I want to do that. Like I want to do yeah. the Groundhog Day gimmick. And I have spent my whole life since that movie coming out watching people try to do their own groundhog day yes, and indeed they've never they've varied in quality some are watchable most are not uh but they've also just all been an inferior copy of that movie to some degree and i'm even including the horror ones and the sci-fi one in that like they all pretty much just are copying that formula and i look i'm not saying palm springs like did something crazy different but like it's the first movie using this format that felt like anything that actually stood on its own that i've ever seen do you think i mean um i know we're talking about uh uh, palm Springs specifically but other than that do you think there's another example that for you at least came came close to it um (laughs) 
I don't know. And I will say I haven't seen Russian Doll. Like, I know that people really loved that show and I've heard good things about it, but I haven't seen it. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. I'm trying to think. I mean, I really like Christopher McQuarrie, so I want to hype up. Uh, you know, I always want to call that movie Live, Die, Repeat because that's what the poster said real big. But Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, you know, yeah, that one was good. And, and Russian Doll was was OK as well. It, uh, was, uh, fun. it was it was fun. But, but yeah, my okay. guess would be uh, Russian Doll. Yeah, uh, but no, the, I I like the McQuarrie movie enough. But you know, I like him, and it, it felt like sure. it did what it meant to do. But I also didn't think it was terribly creative or memorable. Uh, apparently not. I mean, you can disagree if you want to disagree. Oh no, no, no! I meant apparently not in that. Neither one of us had good examples of something that matched this format that worked. You know what I mean? Like yeah. Nothing, nothing really screams to mind. And um, remember too that the the studio kind of put the reins um, on Harold Ramis because he in his original script uh, Phil was going to be stuck there. Um, evidently. He was going to be stuck there for longer, and it was going to be very evident to us, the audience, that he he was there for many thousands of years. Which he is, was stuck in this town, and it was going to be more of a um, not religious, but more of a um, an, an Eastern philosophy story. Which is it's so funny that you say that because like I definitely don't think Eastern philosophy fits, but I thought of that watching Palm Springs because it did feel like. Andy Samberg's character got to do what Harold Ramis had originally planned to do, which is we did yeah. start with a character who had been stuck there for a very, very long time. Yep. But no, I... Yeah, yeah, and, th and that's great, and it was such a surprise to me. Like, it was... Because I, I didn't... I knew jack shit about this movie, and so... Um, I, I really, I, I encourage the audience to watch it. So I, I guess like, I guess we don't want to go into a lot of detail, but it is that sort of thing. And it doesn't, it becomes evident early, but it's not hammering you over the head with it. It's just, it's a little bit of mystery going on. And then when it happens, it happens in such a huge way. And then you think from there. Okay, we're in a Groundhog Day situation. That is literally what we call these things now. This yeah. is a Groundhog Day situation. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and you think it's going to go a certain way, and then it gets bigger. And then it changes lanes, and then it gets bigger again, and then it gets bigger again, and then it changes lanes again, and it gets bigger again, and then it changes focus again. I was a big fan of this movie because it wasn't just like, not because of... um not because of twists and turns or even like big dramatic reveals or anything like that. It was just, you get, when you start to notice how things are made and written and maybe you start to make and write things yourselves, you accept, you expect a certain sort of thing to happen. And this one was full of enough surprises where I, I, I was really, really happy watching it. Yeah, no, I think like exactly what I loved is that because I've seen a lot of Groundhog Day <laughs> style movies, this film had the like, and again, it's not even necessarily that they're plot twists, but it's just like when any other movie would have moved towards resolving things or when you felt like you were settling into the movie and you're like, oh, okay, this is what they're going to do now. 
almost at every one of those turns, they made a choice that was that complicated things <laughs> instead of resolving things like they just. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like, you know, it's kind of and correct me if I'm wrong, but it's kind of like what we've talked about you and I with Vince Gilligan of how. He 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 and his team seems to like to write themselves into shit because it's interesting. What however they figure out how to get themselves out of that shit is is interesting. It's more interesting than plotting it all the way through. Yeah. Well, and it's also yeah, like there's you know, sometimes it's fun as an audience member to be ahead of the story and to get to feel smart. Uh and to be like, oh, that's what they're gonna do. But it is usually more satisfying to think that you're ahead of the story and go like, oh, okay, this is what they're doing. And then them to do a different thing that's like makes everything worse, you know, like is no, if you can do that. And again, like I think the bad version of that, and we've certainly talked about that enough is like the Alan Ball true blood decision, which is when you literally just do the opposite of whatever a normal human would do in every oh, situation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like the, <laughs> Yeah, the six feet uh, under slash true blood model of just what's God, the stupidest so thing that we could do right now that's the opposite of how a normal human would react. Like that's not it. That yeah, yeah. It's that would be interesting. But no, it's this movie like did a really good job of and I wouldn't even say they're twists, just sort of withholding information so that you don't know you Everything is more complicated than you realize, but for reasons that make complete sense and that are doled out slowly throughout the film, I think would be the, you know, pretentious way to say it. Sure. But. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, and everyone, um, um, everyone in it does their job, does a really good job of keeping the story um, stagnant when it needs to be and moving forward when it needs to be it, it's it was um god it was it was really a breath of fresh air as, especially as far as this format goes and as far as comedy goes and i might add as far as andy sandberg goes yes because this guy <laughs> with me anyways and this is just with me was on thin ice because <laughs> i bought boy was i getting tired of your stuff bro <laughs> well I, what i'll say too is like yeah it was nice because andy sandberg got to where he is now because of lonely island doing crazy shit like making crazy like you know creative ridiculous videos and i think he was getting a yeah. little lazy in recent years and so i think this was more a return to sandberg actually taking some swings you know which <laughs> yes indeed and yeah taking some swings and not just being like I'm I'm cool dorky dude who has good who's good at like dancing and music and stuff and actually like like putting himself on the line and like you said taking a swing and now I you know I am I, my opinion for him is born anew and I am anticipating what he does next it was it was good it was a, it was a hell of a lot of fun it's yeah. a quick movie it's a fun movie you get invested there is a, a resolution there's it's i mean it's it's a it's as close as you come to just a a perfect comedy yes you know? no for sure i also i want to say because i want to get in like it's not early at this point but i i still feel like if i say this now 
I'm enough ahead of the curve and I get to play this back someday. And, you know, but all that to say Meredith Hagner is should and is going to be such a huge star and deserves it. Uh, Like I've had this interesting unintentional uh, thing of. So I interviewed Cody Heller, obviously, and uh, Meredith Hagner Uh is uh, the voice of the sex doll in Dummy, which she's great in. And Molly and I also watched Search Party which she's great in. And then she's also, she plays the girlfriend of Andy Samberg in this movie. And, uh, okay. Okay. And I just, I'm such a big fan of hers and I'm like the, the sky is the limit. I think for her, like, I think she's on the verge of being, you know, a household name and everything. Cause she's ridiculously talented and funny. And I, you know, I really liked her in this movie. I liked everyone in this movie. Like this cast was great. You know, everybody, I, I like yeah. that. And that and that Peter Gallagher, man, he's been <laughs> on fire lately. Yeah. I mean, Peter Gallagher is always on fire. Like he's, you know, he's and also, I mean, if J.K. Simmons isn't in our Star Wars improvised movie, you know, like if we can get him in there, too. <laughs> sure. Throw J.K. in there. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. But uh, uh, a Teresa Thompson. Look, I can fill this whole <laughs> this green screen stage full of talent. Yeah, and uh, you can clothe them however you please. Somehow you'd probably still fuck it up. But if you just a static shot, you know, just the static shot of them, fill the gaps in later. Honestly, you're saving so much, so you just get a big room with a green screen. And you just set a bunch of HD cameras up so that you have angles, you know, just get a bunch of 4K mm. cameras and you're going to fill in all the backgrounds later. It's exactly how Lucas shot the prequels. So, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, you can do it. Uh, but yeah, just just film them from a bunch of angles, just doing whatever they want. And come on, you do you if if anyone at Disney or Lucasfilms can look us in the eyes and tell us they have a better pitch than that. I'm I'm willing to hear it, but I don't think that you do. So in conclusion, <laughs> make a make a better Star Wars. If you want to watch Old Guard, just watch Serenity. Yeah, and then Palm Springs is a lot of fun. Yeah, if you need a, a new twist on Groundhog Day and or are missing movies like I was, it's on Hulu and it's good. <laughs> it is very good. Uh, so remember, question everything. Except wearing a mask. You fucking wear a mask! <laughs> Every day it's the same, giving hope to those who need it. And every way I'm trying to keep my head above the water. Breathing in, breathing out Wanna scream, wanna shout Gonna find the calm place that I'm needing Cause this is our song, this is our life It's a thing that holds us tight Music keeps us strong And this is a day we're gonna shine Gonna find it deep inside Rusted and broke down The 
Hobo Radio is a production of Hobotrashcan.com. If you enjoyed the show, please rate or review it on iTunes. Hear more great shows on the Peak Sloth Podcast Network, like this one. We have to ask. It's a podcast where we answer the question, are you going to eat that? What will you leave behind? Why get out of bed? Will you be our neighbor? I'm Marty. And I'm Jonathan. We're two hosts. Infinite Universes. We, we have, have to, to ask. ask. New interviews every Tuesday. Find us on iTunes or online at wehavetoask.com or with the other great podcasts on the Peak Sloth Network at peaksloth.com. <laughs> <laughs>